Welcome to A Higher Future in Healthcare, where we're exploring obstacles and solutions to healthcare's growing workforce demands. Tune in to hear from thought leaders as they share their perspectives on strategy, technology, AI, and people who are paving the way for transformative change. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of A Higher Future in Healthcare. I'm Joe Thurman, co-founder of iHealthcare and your host for today. I'm joined by two of my favorite advisors, Ben and Dave, and they are um, amazing leaders in the healthcare space. You've heard them on some of our other podcast content. And today we're here to talk about culture and cultivating culture and building amazing healthcare organizations and, and how important that is to um, continuing to attract great talent, build great teams, um, and all of those fun topics. But before we jump in, how's everybody feeling today? How are you guys? Fantastic. Great to be with you guys. I'm doing well as awesome. Good, good. Well, I, as many of our listeners know, or maybe they don't know, both of you guys have been in you know, the highest levels of leadership uh, and kind of thinking about healthcare, um, being uh, both advisors and president CEOs of different health organizations. And so let's just kick off with just your thoughts as, as someone at the top, when you're thinking about culture, just the broad topic in healthcare, like what does that mean? What does that give us some context for, for the word and for the way that you think about it as, as leaders in healthcare to kick us off? Yeah, I'll start, you know, I, I love that question as, you know, just to get us going, Joe, because, you know, I think about, you know, culture as the way we do things. I think culture as ethos, you know, our reputation, what are, what is the underlining experience of what it's like? What, what is our collective why and sense of, of purpose and the extent to which the individual staff and employees feel like they are connected? I think that really uh, provides really important inputs into that sense of community, shared purpose, uh, and, and ultimately the culture of the organization. I was going to add, you know, or I would have started with what exactly what Ben said about it's kind of the how we do things, right? There's the what, the why, the where, you know, all the other, you know, cliche-ish kind of things there. But the how part is really made up of the culture. And even myself as a leader, I was probably less kind of aware of it or sensitized to it earlier in my career than I was later in my career where I started to recognize just, you know, how we do it, how, how we're wired, how we, why, how we're put together both individually and as teams and, and then or as teams within the organization, the whole organization just became more and more important to me of being recognizing what I'm supposed to do as a leader to help that along. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was, I mean, I was... the, the dumb 20 year ago, Dave, as a leader is, was, was dumb. We just did not really get it compared to now later in my life. It's there's something about that experience. Yeah. And Dave, just picking up on that. I mean, I've made so many mistakes and resonates so much with, with what you're saying in, in terms of how clueless I was in terms of the importance, but I've come to appreciate just how fragile the, the culture is and how, you know, there are so many um, opportunities to, to reinforce and not to take those opportunities to reinforce that as our 
desire culture for granted because it, it doesn't take many of those and 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 it you know the complexities especially in uh, the industry of healthcare the complexities can just get out of control and can steer that culture in a direction uh faster than than i uh realized earlier in my career as well yeah that, I mean, that's, that's, oh, no i was ahead, gonna Joe. say really quick that's i mean we're we're diving into first i'm gonna say the answer is different than i thought it was gonna be right right because there's the whole world of the Simon Cynics and starts with why and all the things that we've heard for the last decade plus. But to your point, like healthcare, the why is it's pretty clear, right? We're there to to save lives and to take care of communities. And it's just interesting as both of you have leaned into to how we do what we do as healthcare organizations and the the fragility of it that you're talking about. And that's that's so complex when you think about like that as what it means to build culture within the context of healthcare. And, and so how do you get, I mean, obviously I should inherently be excited about the why if I'm working in healthcare, but I don't think that's always true. Sometimes it's a career path. So as leaders, how do you really build that into like a culture of, of compassion, of caring, of, of impact? explain that like unpack that a little bit for for people who are thinking about um thinking about this yeah well well i'll start the one of the things that i always would always try to emphasize uh to you know for example one of the parts i like best about my the job of being a ceo is welcoming new employees doing during new employee orientation really setting um this the stage for them and setting the tone and I think to create a sense of momentum and pride, it's part of it is how do you differentiate uh, from other healthcare organizations? And one of the things that I was known uh, for saying is, you know, there are lots of points of access when it comes to healthcare organizations through the full spectrum of outpatient to home-based care to emergency. Uh, to, to inpatient. So there's lots of healthcare organizations out there um, that will care for uh, patients. And what I always tried to stress was the distinctive separation uh, between the organization I wanted to be part of and what I was invited, the organization I was inviting people to be part of is it's not just about caring for, it's about caring about. And so how can we create that experience and that connection with that patient, that individual that we're interacting with and, and really helping them think about, it's not just, again, caring for, but caring about them, knowing that they are the most important person in our world at that very moment. You know, we don't have much influence uh, over what happened to a person before they came to us or what's going to happen, you know, uh, when they leave, but we can influence and impact the experience that they have while they're in our presence. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, Ben, we used to talk about that and, uh, you know, with the reality that at least on the hospital side, it was not uncommon that the patient or the family that we're working with is possibly at the one of the worst moments of their life. Mm -hmm. Right. Certainly one if certainly one of their most vulnerable moments of their life, but possibly one of the worst moments of their life. Yes. 
And we, if, if you kind of always remind yourself of that, right? Every encounter in the elevator, in the stairwell, down the hallway, obviously at any type of care setting side, um, in the waiting room, wherever, in the cafeteria line, wherever it may be, the, you know, the healthcare worker, hey, it's just another shift. It's just another job, you know, whatever. Even the healthcare leader gets, falls into that trap too easily, right? How busy we are. Oh, I got to run and grab a quick bite before I go back for my six hours of conference calls this afternoon. No one understands how tired and busy I am. Oh my God, the pressure, the pressure. And I get in, you know, I get into that cafeteria line and standing in front of me is a family again who might've just lost a loved one or might about to lose a loved one or the maybe the most joyous moment, the birth of a baby just occurred. Who knows what it is? These moments that are occurring and the irrelevance of my problems when that's going on, right? Just it, it just regrounds you if you don't forget those types of things. And then that, how does that then let you permeate culture, you know, as a leader, as an as a as a staff member of a healthcare organization, right? Awesome. Yeah. Kind of what you well, you're saying, Joe. I mean, there is an advantage. The higher purpose shows up in healthcare, mm-hmm. at least on the provider side of healthcare pretty easily, because you're, you're, you're always, you know, one degree of separation at most from caregiving, either you're a caregiver or you're witnessing caregiving, or you're directly supporting caregivers generally mm-hmm. when you're on the provider side, right? So that helps you on that higher purpose part. But then the question is, how do you make sure the, back to that culture issue of how I do it or how I interact with others or, or, or how we do the work come, comes into play, right? And I, I think the burnout factor that we're all worried about and we're seeing more and more of, or at least it's become much more, more relevant, it seems to people, yep. has to do less with the higher purpose. Again, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm prejudiced about the provider side of healthcare because that's where I've spent most of my career. And, and again, I think there's a great advantages of it in the sense, again, of that connection. I think the burnout comes about less about the higher purpose, but more about the culture getting in the way of however that indiv- you as an individual feel about being able to connect to that higher purpose. People, mm-hmm. I, think, I don't think healthcare professionals burn out working hard for 12 or 20 even 14, 15 hours straight. I think you burn out when you're not connecting with that higher purpose that you know should be there or had been there or 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 was there, right? How much, I mean, totally. I agree with all of that. And, and you know, I used to always say that, that culture is like a vine, right? It's, it's going to grow and it's going to go different directions. It's either going to be guided or it's going to just grow wild, right? But either way, you will have a culture. Um, and I, I, how do you feel or, or what, if if you were to have a magic wand and running an organization, facing all the struggles that healthcare provider organizations are facing right now, what are the two things that you would focus on, right? Around the culture con- conversation when we're thinking about, to your point, yeah, burnout is a real thing and and people are, getting burnout and how the organization is doing the things that they're, that they're doing or what's expected of them, or maybe it's the communication, but what are the, what are the one or two things that you would focus on that you would just put all of your energy into if you had that luxury um, from a culture perspective, because it is so essential. It's so important and inevitable, whether it's going to be a good culture or bad culture, it's going to be there. Um, 
yeah, just what would you uh, unpack that a little bit? Like, what are the one or two things you would focus on? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. I, I think the key is really modeling um, exactly that and what what you would focus on and, and what you highlight, uh, what you want to reinforce. And I think it's those examples of care team members that are going above and beyond connecting with a patient, with a family member, um, and, and finding those examples uh, throughout, the, you know, going back to like what, what Dave said, it's from the, the time they arrive on the campus to the time they leave from the um, you know, helping them, you know, in terms of from parking, from an environmental services standpoint, um, through the cafeteria and, uh, you know, certainly in, in um, the patient room and everything in between, but highlighting and thinking about, are we focusing on, as we have uh, communications out to staff or we have our in-person meetings, are we focusing just on the volume uh, the financial results, or we focus on the value, the quality of care, the, how the health of the population is changing, how this particular staff member went above and beyond, uh, you know, for, for that patient or for that family member, and really making that a point of emphasis and reinforcing those behaviors that are reflecting the culture that you want to see integrated in your organization. Yeah, I like that, Ben. The, um, probably about 15, 20 years ago, more on the clinical quality focus area, there was this concept, and I'm, I'm being generous to myself to say 15, 20 years ago, it's probably 30 years ago, but if since, since I'd like to not think of myself that old, <laughs> I always underestimate it. But um, there was a concept called microsystems thinking. I'm using I know it's a recording, but I'm still showing on the video here for the rest of us. Dave's micro putting a circle up with his yeah, hands. Mi Microsystems, <laughs> yeah, you, you can annotate it. You can do the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> Microsystems and macrosystems. So, you know, think of two concentric circles, right? And the, 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 the quality thinking was, because I think it's very applicable to what Ben just said, the quality theory was that, you know, at the microsystem, healthcare is about more than likely caregiver and care receiver, patient, family, right? That's, and the rest of it is all macro systems there to support that microsystem, right? That was the clinical quality improvement theories around it. So if you take that same overall concept, or at least I'm, I, I, that's where my mind went, Ben, with your mm -hmm. uh, examples, and you take it into culture, uh, you know, um, management, uh, if that's part of a leadership or leader's role, you go back and I go back to that. What do I do individually as a leader? That's the microsystem. So the people I'm impacting either one-on-one, -on -one, you know, some direct people I that's that I support or teams that I'm leading or I'm involved with, or again, that hallway conversation I have with a staff member or a family or a visitor or a patient, whatever it might be, right? If that's the microsystem and I have an ability to impact and demonstrate my culture and the organization's culture there, I should do it. I think the challenge for, for leaders are, but we also have to figure out how do we make sure that happens at scale, right? So how, and that's the leadership challenge even more so because I'm a good guy and mm -hmm. I'm in healthcare for the right reasons. I do believe that. So. 
you know, other than those moments where I forget because I'm having a bad day or a pressure filled moment or something bad has just occurred, more than likely my micro systems, cultural um, uh, uh, impact is going to be pretty solid because I want to do that. So I'm going to smile at people. I'm going to connect. I'm going to say, how are you? I'm going to engage. You know, God help you. If you ever sit next to me on a plane or next to me in an elevator, I'm going to talk to you. Right? Mm-hmm. Not going to be, but, but my job is I moved into more senior leadership, especially of large organizations. I realized, but how do I make sure that happens in scale? That's also the senior leader's job. So how do you mm-hmm. put systems and structures and policies in place that reflect the organization's culture or help it, you know, help it flourish. That's a lot more the role of senior management, senior leaders, than it is necessarily my individual personal one-on-one actions, right? Yeah. I'm, paid, I'm paid too much to only deliver the one-on-one, right? Well, I love that. I think, you know, obviously our our world is talent selection. How are you thinking about building good teams? How are you streamlining process? And, you know, um, to to piggyback on what you were just sharing, um, when prepping for this conversation, I found an interesting quote from a company called HubSpot, a technology company, and it's in their culture code. And it says, culture is to recruiting as product is to marketing. And so, to me, as a product guy, as a tech guy, when I unpack that and think about that, it, you know, you have nothing to market if you don't have a product. If we didn't have a software product, we would have nothing to market or sell or put out into the market. And so as leaders, and now looking at, you know, healthcare providers, health systems, leadership that not only has to design and build and scale, they also have to understand that, like, everyone is facing this people problem, Um it's not even table stakes, it's below table stakes. It's inevitable that you're gonna have patients and people you have to take care of. So that's not something you offer that 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 why you're gonna have patients. So if you don't have a product that your talent team can market, uh, if you don't have a culture that your talent team can market, then you're gonna fall short. And that, that starts to impact you on, on the quality of care you can provide, on the financials, on everything, and, and starts to break the fabric of your of your organization. Um, I don't know, does that like culture is to recruiting as product is to marketing. Does that resonate with either of you similarly? And, and I mean, what does it bring to mind? Yeah, no, I, I think it does given uh, what you were saying, Joe, with the, how competitive recruiting is and, and, you know, to the points earlier about differentiation, I think prospective employees are going to be pretty skeptical. Um, so I think it's like just, being able to convey with words and, and images um, and examples the, the culture that you, you want to have, I think you know that's that's a good start. And given the skepticism that those prospective employees are going to have, they're going to want to experience it sooner rather than later. And I think one way to do that is to, is to you know think about the systems in the recruitment process and in the onboarding process that is going to give them, you know, that opportunity to interact with, with a team member. So team-based interviewing and creating those mechanisms where they're able to interact with, with more people. And then, you know, at the same time, the, the challenge then is to uh, maintain the efficiency of, of that process. So how do you involve multiple people, you know, give the 
candidate and understanding the experience of other people already in the organization, because that's going to be a pretty telling in terms of, you know, what their experience is like as an employee, what, how they talk about, about the culture. So to be able to give them that exposure through the interview process and the systems by which to still do that in an efficient way, I think is a, is a really important uh, component uh, so that people can like, that's what you're kind of selling to your point around trying to communicate that culture uh, to the, and the recruitment process. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think you're both right. Nailed it. You know, the, what what makes where my mind goes, it's a little bit a little bit pessimistic, unfortunately, that is with healthcare organizations, all organizations right now, but healthcare organizations particularly being so pressed for talent. You worry about how much that is being compromised just to, you know, the warm body syndrome, right? Are we, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you, you worry about that because if it's recruit, you know, re, you're recruiting for fit, at, you know, there's skills and there's experiences and, you know, a little bit of that's more black and white in the sense of evaluating um, either they got it or they don't. But at some point you're, it's more of an art than a science, right? And you're recruiting for fit as well. And if that ends up based on this cultural conversation being such a key factor, maybe more than we ever thought, then you, you worry about how much we compromise that sometimes or are willing to, because right now we're so desperate for more people in roles, you know, the, how many shifts aren't being filled by nurses or pharmacists or mm-hmm. therapists or whatever the clinical area is, obviously outside of clinical as well in healthcare or any field, but healthcare particularly. And it, it makes me worry a little bit right now that we're, we're moving for speed. We're not moving for long-term quality of fit. Yeah. Which is so important. Like you say, you know, the, whether it's the mirror test, can they fog up a mirror or or warm body or, or any of those things that we've all heard those analogies. It's, um, you know, it's definitely, I think, concerning to leadership, concerning to, you know, team members um, when they feel like their organization maybe doesn't have a strong plan around how to improve culture, improve the ability to attract people. And and I think, you know, it's such an important topic. So, so much to, to dive into on that. And, um, you know, as we wrap up, I'm not going to press and push you guys each for your magic bullet answer of how someone can solve this if they're listening to this, but rather... I, I I think we should end on a high note. Both of you have been in healthcare for some time and maybe just share a story of either you being on the giving or the receiving side of something that just left an imprint on you from a cultural perspective, something you were a part of, um, you know, that, that just stands out to you in your career. And maybe, maybe out of that, someone can get an idea or can think of something that they could implement at their organization, or maybe they can just feel a little bit better, but um yeah, like just share something that like either you were on the giving side or receiving side of from a cultural perspective that just impacted you um, and leave us with that. Well, I'll start and just build on something I alluded to earlier. And I would really prioritize meeting new employees during new employee orientation to set the tone uh, in, in terms of culture. And that was so impactful. And I would would make notes around you know, and ask them about, you know, their, their background and, and ask them the question of, of why are you here and, and open up to very practical responses to very deep and profound responses and to be able to then, you know, connect 
uh, with them and, and ask them, you know, uh, uh, connecting back to something that they shared, uh, you know, during the introduction and the orientation and, and just being willing to do something non-conventional. Like I started with a um, pump up music song, One People from Henry PFR. And uh, I don't know if many people know that song, but it just, I was introduced to it, was introduced to it during a spin class. And it was like near the end of the class, like I had, I was just toast and that music came on and it just, you know, really got me going. And so I would start new employee orientation with that. And I would ask people to be mindful of like what was happening inside of them, uh, you know, during hearing just the beat and the rhythm of that music and contrasting that to moments before it started. And if something like music uh, can do that, just think about what, what else in the realm of human experience we can bring to bear in our interactions when we're not just hearing something, but actually seeing and experiencing that exchange and how different that can be. So um, I remember I was just feeling a little bit creative one day and tried it and I repeated it uh, and, you know, for the, for, for the rest of time, because it works oh. so well, being willing to do something a little bit different uh, to connect to that experience and, and taking it beyond. Love that. Love it. Do you guys want me to sing right now? Is that, yeah. Kind of do you know it? Can we get a little uh, background yeah. track? <laughs> Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't be pretty. Speaking of bad culture, yeah. I, you know, for me, I there's so many places I could go, Joe, with your comment and, and launching off of what Ben said there too. But uh, you know, I guess I just found myself when I, when I needed to get recharged culturally. Kind of back to your kind of what's the one example? Not that there weren't thousands of them, uh, but for me. I learned for some reason, I'm sure through just trial and error, I learned early on that being able to, most of my day was spent in conference rooms or meeting rooms or maybe an office here or there, you know, the life of a general administrator. Um, and when I needed to recharge, I walked around the, the, the hospital or the health system, the healthcare organization. Sometimes it was a clinic, sometimes it was a hospital, maybe even a corporate office, but I hated when my office was there. Uh, and um, I'd force myself to go out to the field and walk around and just watching caregivers in action, you know, just the light bulb would always rekindle for me and I'd, I'd be recharged. Uh, in some way or another. And I just forced myself to do that. I remember at one place I went, um, we moved the admin offices down the hall, et cetera. You know, and after a period of time, it was kind of like, finally, we can put in a little coffee station. And I, I, I was at that point, the CEO, and I remember not allowing it because I said, when we need a cup of coffee, this will force us all to get up and walk down the long hallway. But it was just one long hallway to the cafeteria to buy one. And I, didn't, I said, and I'll give everybody money back. It's not about buying the coffee. If, if you need it, I'll give you each a $20 bill every Monday. You know, you overpaid executives and I'll pay out, but I'm the most, <laughs> the highest paid. So I'll give you each a 20 and I'll pick up your coffee for the week. That's not the point. The point is it will force you to get out of our offices and both be exposed leadership presence, but also observe. And that was for me how I recharged and how I pushed team members to do it too. And that 
that always helped me from that kind of that culture example, Joe, you, you asked for. Yeah. I mean, so many nuggets of, of wisdom and thought, you know, around culture. Uh, and even, you know, I spent almost 20 years of my career in talent and talking about culture. And I just love some of the nuanced details that, that the two of you shared today. I, I just think that it's such an important thing, but it is, um, it's something that leaders and talent teams have to start to master and truly challenge themselves on um, when we're thinking about building great systems, building great teams. And so now this was great. I'm sure everyone will love it. And we're not just here to care for people. We're here to care about people and in healthcare. I love that. Uh, I love that saying. And so thank you again for spending the time again. This is Joe Thurman. Uh, with IIA Healthcare. You are listening to A Higher Future in Healthcare. We had great Ben and Dave, two amazing people here today. And tune in next time. Until then, have a good one. A Higher Future in Healthcare is a production of IIA Healthcare, a healthcare technology company and creators of Interview IA an interview platform for healthcare organizations to streamline their interview processes to deliver unparalleled candidate experiences and to create a true competitive advantage for delivering quality care. Learn more at www.iiahealthcare.com.